Welcome to Promises Are Just Words. This is episode 41, Simplicity is the Key to Brilliance. Today I'd like you to say hello to two people, and again, this is a bit more of a personal choice here, but I put two triathletes together. The first one is Courtney Atkinson. He's an Australian professional triathlete. In the 2008 Olympic Games, he finished in 11th place. He is now a sponsored Red Bull athlete and competes in a lot of adventure racing or lifestyle kind of races around the world. The second person is Gillian Backhouse. She's an Australian professional triathlete and she won gold in the mixed relay event at the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Today I'd like to say hello to Courtney Atkinson and Gillian Backhouse. My name's Courtney Atkinson. I'm a professional endurance athlete. My career has changed a lot since uh, I suppose I left school and, and went into professional triathlon um, and went to a couple of Olympic Games um, to what it is today where I really focus on doing unique and, um, and interesting adventures, let's say for a range of different companies and a range of different brands. I, I began life not as a runner, um, not as a land athlete at all. I grew up on the Gold Coast and I uh, I was into surf lifesaving. I grew up swimming at the same pool as Grant Hackett, who went on to be one of the greatest Olympians, in, our Olympians in swimming. Um, but it was when I went to high school, I went to a school that had army cadets. And in the first week of high school, they sent us on a, um, a run uh, when we were off on this camp in army boots. Um, and it was probably only a short run at the time. But I came home first in that run. And from that day on um, at that school, I was forever going to be a cross country runner. There was a teacher at school, and this is where timing and opportunity um, is a brilliant thing, because there was a teacher at my school who happened to be um, like the pioneer of Ironman triathlon in Australia. And in particular, he was one of the first Australian athletes to go to the Kona Ironman, which is, you know, the holy grail of the sport of triathlon. Um, it's like a, a, a day's worth of a race. So, um what is it, three kilometers of swimming, 180 kilometers of riding, and 42K, a marathon of running um, in the hot conditions of, uh, of Kona, the big island of Hawaii. Now, he put together that I could swim um, already, obviously had that background, and I was very aerobically fit, um, and then the fact that I could run, that I would suit this sport of triathlon. So um, throughout high school, I started honing my skills, and by the time... I reached the end of high school. Um, instead of you know, down at Macca's or something flipping burgers, I was over in Europe racing and, and earning money um, as a professional. So that's been my life, and that's all I've known. And I suppose the question, the first question you asked, was around. Um, yes, I did represent Australia at a couple of Olympics. It was Beijing and London. But the best experience I had um, in around that Olympic racing was uh, by far London. So it was a perfect storm because. Um, the favourites for the London Triathlon um, Olympic race were these two brothers, and they were both from Great Britain. So they were called the Brownlee brothers, and um, they were expected pretty much to win this race, um, which provided not only a free event at an Olympic Games, it was in Hyde Park, raced in front of Buckingham Palace, and you had the two favourites being British athletes. So as you can imagine, I think about half a million people turned out to watch that race, and we were riding our bikes down the road um, and as an Australian team, we talk to each other to make sure, you know, we, we've got our tactics and our coaches are on the side of the course, um, you know, giving us race splits of how far we're ahead of the next pack and what's happening. And it was so loud, we couldn't hear our coaches. 
So they purely had to rely just on, um, you know, providing us feedback on um, written feedback on whiteboards. But, um, you know, even warming up for that event, I remember hearing at the back of uh, Hyde Park where the event was raced, I heard this massive cheer or chant. And this was prior to the race. And I was thinking, well, what's going on here? And it was simply the Brownlee brothers were warming up at this stage. So I never went on to win this race or anything. Um, one of them did win, and but for me, as an experience goes, yes, I won, um, you know, world championships and lots of international races um, and some very unique races. But this is the one I remember as, you know, the best experience. Plus, you're representing your country. So the second question you ask is, how are you able to effectively balance training, travel? And family life, well, it's a challenge. I mean, and it's all, it is balance. Um, I'd actually throw in there now, not only training and travel, but work as well, because um, my, I suppose, what I do these days around endurance sports is is a lot based around content and producing, um, you know, both tourism content and a whole range of different video assets for, for different brands and products. Um, so that's what I would call work life. So it goes in hand, uh, like hand in hand with what I do as an athlete. And the reality is, you just got to have priorities, right? And you've just got to know, I think it's really the most important thing is to focus on what your priority is at that time and put 100% of your attention into doing that the best you can. So when I get up first thing in the morning, I will always run. And um, I try not to dis get distracted. Um, even if I'm running my own and not with a group, I'll just head out the door and get to where I want to run. And that's my, um, I suppose, escape. It's my therapy that I still love to do every day. So even if I wasn't doing it as competition, um, for the, you know, I love running. It gives me this, uh, you know, a pleasure, or it gives me like um, endorphins and all of this stuff that makes me feel good, and I can get it on with the rest of my day. Then I get home, and you know, I've got a couple of young kids now, so um, you know, my focus is on them at that stage, and it's all about getting them to school and making sure that they're going to have a great day. And then I go on to whatever my priorities will be that for that day, whether that's work, whether that's going and filming, whether it's going traveling somewhere to go on a new adventure. Um, but the reason I do all this, and the reason I share these adventures and travel. Um, is mainly to provide inspiration to people. And yes, I'm selfish in one respect that I love going on my own self-adventures where I'll put myself in situations now where I might go running or um, you know, fast backpacking or something like that into remote areas. Um, it gives me adrenaline because it puts me on the edge a little bit where I've got to make my own decisions quickly. Um, and also, um, you know, kind of provides a little bit of danger. So when you stop racing, and I know I got a little bit off the question I was gonna answer for you, but this is a be probably a better answer, is that when you're racing, um, and when I was racing at that highest level of Olympic Games and World Championships and things like that in my sport, you, you're getting this massive adrenaline rush, you know, multiple times a year. Nothing can replace that feeling of racing, and nothing can replace, and more importantly, the feeling of winning, right? And winning doesn't always have to be coming first. It can be winning through um, you know, a whole range of things in life. But what I do nowadays is I have that need and that I need to fulfill um, that I'm missing adrenaline that I don't get from racing at that level. Um, and I get that out of now going on adventures and putting myself in um, you know, uncomfortable situations. And whether that's you know, without ropes, hiking across some or running or hiking or whatever it is across some you know, really skinny ridge line up in Japan um, or some other place around the world where you know, 
stuff can go wrong um, or whether that's simply just like going out into like a location that I know is gonna be amazing. My goal is one, to do that for myself because I enjoy it, but number two is to provide that inspiration for others to get out there and do it. You know, you may not have to do it at the level, um, you know, I go and film it or provide um, content to the companies I work for, but uh, you can go out and hike and see these amazing places in Australia and do that for yourself. So that's how I see balance. It's balance of life and work. And if you can combine in the future, um, you know, something you really love doing and also try and make that your work, I mean, I think that's probably, um, you know, the perfect work-life balance, right? So um, the third question you asked is, your, your career seems to have been um, regenerated re um, recently as you pick up and choose insurance projects that interest you and you demonstrate this self-adventure. How do you decide where you're going? So I kind of explained a little bit of that in the last question, but my decision-making process around that is quite simple. A lot of the, I suppose, the excitement and fun for me in going in on these adventures is the planning, right? And in the end, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's an adventure like I'll go out and do or whether um, it's planning for um, you know, a school cross-country or a school swimming carnival or planning for a homework test. Um, it's in the planning that you actually win because it's in the planning that one, I think you get, um, you get feedback and you get positive feedback from actually achieving something if you can follow a plan and actually implement that. And generally, if you do implement that, the end goal is gonna be positive, like you'll get the results you're after. So for me with adventure, it's about, I look at things that are gonna, one, excite me. Um, one, something I've never done before or never seen before. Two, um, it's around uh, something that might scare me a little bit, like give me that little bit of adrenaline. I'm always looking for that. And then three, um, and part of life is you've got to provide as well. And the third part of it is, how's this gonna work for um, you know a brand I work for, or how's this gonna work for, um, you know, have some kind of output, whether that's for a brand or whether that's actually just showing someone else that location that might um, encourage them to go out and, and get moving, exercise, or any of those things. So does that all make sense? I feel a bit strange here talking to myself in one of my rooms at home, but um, hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight into uh, you know what my life involves, um, coming all the way from Olympic Games in triathlon or just a school kid running around a cross-country track um, here on the Gold Coast, uh, to traveling the world and now uh, you know finding some really unique places in Australia and kind of around our home country. So um, thanks for listening to me and I uh, hope you can take something out of that. Blow my whistle, baby. Blow my whistle, baby. Focus! Today, when you walk into that arena, there is no holding back. There is 110% effort. There is maximum commitment. There is no holding back. Do you hear me? You don't get anywhere holding back. Champions don't hold back. Beats don't hold back. The greats never hold back. You are strong, focused, always ready. You are calm, prepared, hands steady. You are a beast, a champion, ready for fame. You are a beast, a lion, no one will tame. 
go all out. Give 110. You have more heart than 10,000 men. Are you focused? I am focused. I am focused. I am focused. I am machine. I am beast. I see challenge. I feast. Let's go. Let's go. You are unstoppable. No one has the power to stop you. No one has the strength to halt you. Your desire and heart will destroy anyone that gets in your way. Get the job done. Don't look around to see if others are watching. Don't seek recognition. Don't seek approval. You don't need it. You will be better without it. You don't listen to haters. They hate because they are small. You are far from small. You are large and in charge. Large in charge. No matter how many disappointments along the way, my mind remains stronger than ever. Every minute, every hour, every day, focused to the finish. Your love is the work, the pride, the pride in the work, the toughest of work. The enormous satisfaction you get when you look at yourself in the mirror and you know, you know, without a doubt, you are self-made. Your place has been earned. Your place is deserved. There's no better feeling. Self-made, strong, powerful, prepared, focused, hungry for more. Repeat after me, this is my time. I have a vision and no one will get in my way. No one will alter my beliefs. No one will roadblock my goals. I will move aside all barriers to my dreams. I will rip them to shreds and leave them scattered on the ground. That's how bad I want this. I want it more than anything or anyone. There is no plan B. There is no falling back. There is only one option. Succeed at all costs. Reach the top. Reach the goal. You are focused. Your eyes are on the prize. Your eyes are on the prize. Pain is temporary. Greatness is forever. Are you going to live this day as if it is your last? Your last shot to make something of yourself. Give your all. Show your heart. Show your drive. Push yourself to the absolute limit. You will succeed. You will succeed. You will succeed. Hi, thanks for having me. Growing up, I was a swimmer, nothing special by anyone's standards, as I didn't train enough to be competitive beyond my small region of Northwest. I trained three times a week plus club night at most. I loved it though, and had grand plans for how I was going to move to the city once I finished school. This was back in primary school, mind you, uh, and join a big squad with a great coach and train lots. Obviously, I didn't end up becoming a swimmer. I found triathlon. Uh, but it took quite a few years for me to find triathlon. The idea of triathlon had appealed to me for several years before I finally did my first one when I was 16 at the end of year 11. I remember watching the triathlon in the Athens Olympics and being absolutely mesmerised by how beautiful it looked to swim in the Mediterranean Sea. It looked way more interesting than a swimming pool. 
I was also intrigued by the transitions, how everyone's shoes were already attached to their bikes when they got on. I just found the whole thing fascinating. I'd asked my parents many times if I could do one of the Wheat Bix kids triathlons as they were the only opportunity to try out triathlon that I knew of. The answer was always no though. I grew up in Armidale and it was a good five to six hour drive to the closest one on the central coast. It wasn't until I was encouraged by a couple, Glenn and Sonia Mobs, from the local cross country club to come along to one of the triathlon club races that I finally got a chance to do one. I remember having no idea what it was all about and being a bit nervous, but also really excited about it. I went along to watch the November club race to see what it was all about, see how to do one, what people wore, how to do a transition, just to work it all out. Afterwards, I couldn't wait until the December race to have a go. I was convinced after just watching that triathlon was the sport for me. My parents said I needed to do at least one before they would buy me a road bike to do it properly. So I did. I absolutely loved my first race, which I did in my swimmers with a pair of shorts over the top on my old Malvern Star mountain bike, which was way too small. I got a road bike for Christmas, started year 12, said goodbye to swimming and took up triathlon for real and have not looked back. Sometimes I get asked, how do you stay motivated all the time? The answer really is I don't. Sometimes I'm tired and don't feel like training. And sometimes I really, really don't feel like training. In these instances, I remind myself why I'm going to training, that I want to get better, that I want to turn up to my next race in my best shape. If there's a particular long-term goal I'm working towards, like the Olympics, I remind myself of that. I've also learned over the years that nine times out of 10, you feel better once you get out the door or dive into the pool and get started. So I remind myself of that. And also the feeling of satisfaction afterwards, knowing I got through a session, even though I wasn't feeling great. If it's a hard session, I try to approach it with a mindset of challenge rather than defeat. Instead of getting caught up and overwhelmed by how hard it's going to be and telling myself there's no way I'm going to make the times, I tell myself it's okay if I don't, but I'm going to see how many reps I can make the time for, even if it's just one. Or just see how close I can get. I turn it into a little game with myself and give myself an internal cheer for every rep I make the time for. That builds me up and often the more reps I do, the better I mentally start to feel and the more I want to be there and make it through the whole set. Of course, there are going to be days when you feel flat the whole time. You can't get yourself up. That happens. Mental fatigue is as real as physical fatigue. So you need to be kind on yourself and not beat yourself up if a session just flops. But be honest with yourself too and learn to tell when you really are tired and when you're just slacking off. Probably the biggest one for me is just reminding myself of how much better I'll feel once I've done the session. The Commonwealth Games were an unreal experience. The lead up to the Games was just crazy. I was by no means the hot favourite in the media spotlight going in, but I was getting interview requests from magazines, phone calls from my federation checking how I was going, offering help, so many people wishing me luck. I remember I went home in February for a week before heading overseas to train and do a couple of races. I was just minding my own business, doing a session on the grass track when I was spotted by a reporter from the local news who was doing, they're doing another segment. 
Next thing I know, they're filming me train and I'm doing an interview for news that night. When I got overseas, I was glad to escape from all the hype for a while and just get on with training. When I got back to Australia, I had a short training camp on the Gold Coast before the Games. It was weird seeing the final preparations taking place around the city and seeing all the promotions because it was all geared towards spectators and general public. I put a lot of emphasis on really just preparing for the Games as if there were any other race. Um, And I suppose at that point it was really when it started to hit home that it was the Commonwealth Games that I was preparing for and, you know, all these people on the streets and all the posters and everything, they were there to come and watch the event that I was about to take part in. I often get quite nervous before my races, but the Commonwealth Games was quite different, really. Um, I mean, I was still nervous, but I just remember being overwhelmingly so excited just to race. And I think Part of it was I'd been looking forward to it for so long and the time had finally come. I mean, it was absolutely a childhood dream come true. And I was lucky enough too uh, that I didn't have the same pressure that I know the others in the mixed team relay felt. They had been part of the team that won the world champs the previous year, um, which I wasn't part of. So I didn't have that pressure. In the mixed relay, I was doing the first leg. So I knew what I had to do was absolutely hammer the swim to try and get away from as many of the other teams as possible, uh, which I managed to do. And it ended up being myself and Vicky Holland, who was from Great Britain. We had a bit of a breakaway. uh, And by the end of our leg, we had quite a lead on the rest of the field, which was quite exciting. So I then handed off to Matt Hauser and um, as the race unfolded, it got more and more obvious that we were going to be in the mix for the medals. Um, I just remember just absolutely screaming my lungs out um, as Matt and then Ash and finally Jake did their legs. It was just so exciting um, as, you know, by the end, by the end of Ash's leg, Uh, we were definitely in the lead um, and handing off to Jake. And I I remember saying to Ash after she'd finished, I'm like, Ash, we're going to win, we're going to win. She's like, no, just calm down. Like anything can happen, you know. (laughs) Um, But really, barring Jake um, crashing his bike, we were going to win that gold medal, Uh, which fortunately we did. Um, Nothing happened to Jake. uh, And, yeah, it was just absolutely unreal I remember just yeah the grandstand um was pretty much full of Australian supporters and the cheer that came from that the noise when Jake came down the finishing shoot with the Australian flag and yeah it's it's definitely something I'll never forget after the race was just a blur we had interviews at the finish shoot then the medal ceremony I remember just wanting to go and see my parents and sister and managed to sneak in a quick hug before drug testing. We then had interviews outside and eventually we got back to the village and had lunch at 5pm after racing at 1 and then more media commitments and celebrations at the Star Casino that night. It was my mum's birthday and I would have loved just to have had a quiet bit of birthday cake to celebrate with the rest of my family. I was absolutely exhausted by this point, but my coach said, just go out and enjoy it. Soak up the limelight 
as it's not every day you get to win a gold medal. The rest of the games were filled with all sorts of commitments, like helping out local charities, going to three-hour luncheons. But the best by far was a trip up to Lady Elliot Island on the Great Barrier Reef with a few other gold medalists. I got the call up for that one at 11 p.m. at night saying, you know, respond within the next half hour um, and you get to go. So I said, yep, and 6 o'clock the next morning I was up at the Gold Coast Airport and away. It was a crazy time and it probably took me a good month to probably catch up on sleep afterwards. I loved it, but I actually found it hard too. I'd prepared myself for dealing with the pressure and the craziness of the Commonwealth Games experience up until the race, but hadn't put a single thought into preparing myself for what it would be like if I won a medal. Probably the best part of the celebrations was a few days after the race when I got to have dinner with my coach and his wife uh, and just reflect on the race and how far I'd come to get there. I was really touched too when I was on the tram going to watch another event when a young girl came up to me and said, you're the gold medalist from triathlon and asked for an autograph. She would have been about the same age I was when the Sydney Olympics was won. And it was my hope then that the Games and even my race might inspire the kids now in the same way that I was inspired back in 2000 to chase their dreams.